Today's 15,101, 15,101. The average lifespan of a human being is 28,000 days. For me, it's day 15,101. Every time I say the number, it always brings a little bit of that existential feeling. Did this day count? And I know we've been away from the podcast for a little bit, and uh, the way we've been doing things is that we've been in three different cities over the course of the last, I don't know, seven days, trying to keep COVID free, trying to move throughout the pandemic and exploring new avenues in which we're going to take the organization that we've been working on and we've been talking about here on the podcast. And so plenty to talk about today. And as we traveled, as we explored the new avenues, I couldn't help but think most people may think we're lost at this point lost during pandemic times lost during all these things that have happened over the course of the last 365 days that have been an ordeal to be sure by this point last year we were already in a situation where fear had gotten the best of us where trips were already cancelled where the mba was already gone from the books where our organization had already canceled all of its programs, all of its events scheduled for the months of June, July, August. And it sent us into this deep downward spiral of where do we go from here? And so as we come out of these pandemic times, the big question for me is what are the new avenues that exist? What are the new roads which we can plow down, explore, figure out if it's an avenue worth pursuing and if not hop on to the next one and figure out if that's the right avenue of course we can go back to the way things were done before but as i've discussed before i tend to refuse to live life as it is yes there's established paths that will come back into the game into the game of life in a matter of weeks in a matter of time we're already traveling i'm already traveling with face masks and face shields and all of this jazz and the reality is we're not lost we're just exploring and the social conditioning that we are all subjected to on an everyday circumstance we need to put a pause on that we need to make sure that we don't let those normal conventional ways of thinking get in the way of making big things happen so that's what i bring to the table today in terms of our discussion in terms of wanting to explore things with all of you as usual we are bringing our show live to you on Clubhouse. We're also going to be doing some really neat things in terms of media here shortly. We're going to be doing some things differently than we used to do before, and I'm pretty excited about it. Oh yeah, and there's a uh, conference coming up that I want to talk to everyone about. So welcome to today's podcast. It's awesome to be back. As I've developed over the course of the last seven to eight years, leading the organization I have the uh, awesome privilege to be at the helm of is that uh, most of what I've been doing has been trial and error. 
And so I just got to thinking, when we're in our everyday lives, when we're looking at work, there's certain tasks we need to do and we think we need to do them because, hey, this is the way we pay the bills. We need to stay in this job because this is the way we pay the bills. And I find that most of life keeps us in these patterns and that it keeps us from exploring, from going down adventurous roads, from traveling. But what are the big aha moments of this COVID affair has been the fact that we don't necessarily need to be tied with a ball and chain to our desks. We don't necessarily need to be in one office space or another. We can be anywhere in the world. We can be anywhere we please and still be productive. So as we emerge from these pandemic times, I can't help but wonder how many of us will choose to go down the path of exploration? How many of us will choose to go down the path of adventure? I chose that path in 2013. I left my job, the stability. I left the big title, the big set. I left it all. And when I left it, I left it with the knowledge that even if I failed, I was going to have an amazing, not only adventure, but learning experience that no one else could ever take away. And so as we look at where we go from here, I'd be curious to know, are individuals going to make that leap? Are individuals going to make the leap of choosing to explore and to not necessarily be labeled by society? as lost. So that's a conversation that has been going on in my mind as I traveled into Denver, Colorado. I was pretty aghast at the fact that, well, the airport, the airport was uh, pretty full. People hustling and bustling, some with their masks on, some with their masks mid-face. But people already trying to figure out, all right, what's next? So are you figuring out what's next? How are you navigating those waters? How are you going to choose to explore one of the areas that which one of the areas in which I'm intrigued as to its future is the area of travel for so long the travel industry has been pretty much very touristy it's been an industry where you know pretty much where people are going to go if they fly into Italy where you know pretty much where people are going to go if they fly into Mexico you pretty much know where people are going to go but today today things have changed things are radically different completely different today you may not want to go to a hotel because of the touristy very many people aspect to that you may want to go into an environment where you control your surroundings a lot more than you did before so you may choose an airbnb by the beach you may choose an airbnb with the view of the city and you will selectively choose when you go out how you go out and you will be scouting out places that are open air you will be scouting out places that are filled with very little people or perhaps you'll be wanting to look for people but at least people that are taking care of themselves at least that's what i do that's the routine i've been taking i've been in three different cities in the last seven days and that's the routine i've been taking so we're not lost we're exploring we're exploring new ways of life we're exploring how we're going to go from this point forward and if this conversation speaks to you then I want you involved. I want you to not only partake in these kinds of conversations, you can always feel free to join us up on stage on Clubhouse. We record every single podcast live on Clubhouse. But I want you involved in the conversation beyond this point because we're building a group 
of individuals that believe the same way we do. We're trying to figure out where do we go from here collectively. We're building a group and the group is uh, different countries. Some are in Mexico, some are in Panama, some are in Argentina, some are in the United States. And what we're trying to figure out with one another is how do we do things differently than we did it before? Under conventional norms, people would think, oh yeah, these people are lost. Because people were used to climbing their ladders, people were used to having their cushy job in their cushy desk with, uh, I don't know, maybe what, 25 feet by 25 feet, they were lucky in the corner office. Or maybe they just had a cubicle, which was like five feet by five feet. But the point was they were used to climbing the ladder. They were used to the same old, same old. And the way that they told themselves that everything was okay and everybody else was lost, everybody else did not know what they were doing, was by pretty much following the pecking order. Rest assured, COVID has been a deep disruptor of that entire line of thinking. Deep disruptor. And so if you're not asking yourself these questions now, when are we going to begin? When are we going to begin asking ourselves the questions of where do I want my next 15,000 days to go? I've been counting my days and I've been tracing this journey with you in English y en Español on the podcast. And the reason I've been doing this is not, is, is more like a beyond a personal journal, but it's also my way of <laughs> keeping myself in line with this vision of these days have to count. And if this is day 15,101 for me, then uh, okay, that means if I'm lucky, if I'm lucky, I'll get 14,000 more, hopefully 15,000 more. Heck, maybe even more than that, but we never know. On average, it's 28,000 days. So everything we do must be an exploration. Everything we do must be something that we do differently and that we explore in different ways. So I want to know from you, what are you doing as you move forward with your life in pandemic times? What are you doing in terms of asking yourselves these deep questions? And are you rejecting that social stigma that labels you as lost if you decide to go down an adventure, an adventurous exploration avenue? Or are you succumbing to social pressure? Thanks for thanks for joining us, Jesse. I always uh, enjoy being part of rooms with you. Oh, thank you, Hector. I really appreciate that. And I I uh, love the name of your club. I was um, actually kind of weeding through my clubs the other night and um, kind of weeding some out, and you know looked at yours again, and I was like, yeah, I like this one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm in the Myers Briggs world, an, an ENTP, and um, I'm in my late fifties. And my one of the things about ENTPs that I've read multiple times is that they're always interested in the next thing, and that it's really hard. For them to stay and stick with something and that many an ENTP often feels that they really never quite have a career and I'm like man that is so me you know yeah. and yet you know I've had yeah. this incredible story in my life that I've just sort of wandered and kind of been uh, gone here and there and tried this and tried that and you know that I, I can hear that that backdrop story running through my brain sometimes but I also can look at my life and be like yeah I did wander a lot and I have explored a lot and I've I have found myself over here and over there and you know in careers and in positions and in in hobbies and activities where you know I'm a lifelong learner so I just keep learning wherever I you know whatever eddy I find myself in or whatever and you know, you know I think that that's a, I think that that's like the 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 tip to life right I, I think that when you become a lifelong learner or you choose to go down that path it's like that's when uh that's when the world kind of kind of changes I, I think I think I made I think I, I I made the that realization maybe in my late 20s because you know once when you straight out of college you think you're gonna you come out with so much enthusiasm you're gonna change the world you know everything you're gonna 
But then you realize, oh, wait a second. I, I, I really don't know much. And then that's when becoming a lifelong learner is a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a big deal because that when you, when you see life that way, I think that's a game changer for everyone. Yeah, I would agree completely. And, um, you know, there is, there is some really beautiful, um, work too around understanding that different, different phases of life offer different, different opportunities and different wisdom. And that absolutely, you know, that, that, um, the early, you know, that coming of age and early twenties, mid twenties, and even into late twenties and a little bit beyond, there's so much enthusiasm about like what's possible. And then, you know, more experience in life has people understand like, oh yeah, that's possible, but the amount of energy for that, you know, maybe I don't want to pursue that. And so part of the, um, you know, the, the experience of, of having more decades in your life is knowing how to navigate and what, what opportunities to explore. So I am still very much a wanderer. And there are also a lot of things where I could like look at them, you know, or someone would be like, hey, can you help me with such and such projects? So it's like, no, because that's a project. And I've already done projects like that. And it doesn't mean I'm not willing to help. I'm, I'm willing to help someone with my wisdom around something, but not necessarily to do all the doing because I have a lot more understanding of um, how much work and effort things can take at times and um, I'm also a big fan of flow and and being in the flow and things not taking a lot of effort and time um but yeah I want to honor what you're saying too about you know just being young and enthusiastic it's a beautiful thing and then nothing that should be ever tamped down and there also is a um, cumulative understanding of how much you want to allocate your resources and time to various projects you know as life goes on absolutely you know I I think I think Jesse for me it was like I I think in my early 20s I I thought I thought of this uh what what I mentioned earlier in the podcast, which was that there was like a, a pecking order, that there was a ladder that needed to be climbed, that there was value in these salaries or in these titles and in these places in society and where your office was located, whether it was a physical office or whether it was a cubicle and uh, all of that. I mean, I, I put a lot of value into all of those things. And there came a point where I, I was trying to fit my life neatly into these boxes and, and to make sure that I I was never ever labeled with the lost label or with the doesn't know what to do with their life label or the and I, I was I wanted to be receiving the label that was ambitious the label that was you know um, a go-getter the label that was like you know a, a mastermind at whatever I just I wanted to kind of live up to these sparkly ideals <laughs> and I think there came a point where it's just like why am I doing that <laughs> and, then, and then that was that that was the moment I think that I wanted to put labels aside and I wanted and, and I figured that there was much more value in exploring than than and, and that I needed to reject that label of loss or that that's that social conditioning that that happens so often in the workplace in college or, or or what have you and I think that that happened more along the lines of my my the the, the road I took my 30s you know do you mind me asking um what your birth year is How 19 old yeah 1979 so I'm 41 yeah, so you're a late wave Xer, and um, but but definitely have some overlap um, in terms of having gone to school with and had some younger year and coming of age years with millennials because you're right at that cusp. Oh yeah, and um, and so Xers as a general rule, and generations are archetypal. You know, they're you know many many millions of people, and it's archetypal, not not to the individual per se. Um, 
But Xers tend to have a real uh, strong orientation toward risk and gambling and not gambling literally like at a card table or whatever, but taking risk and, and going for it because they know there's very little net underneath them. And the millennial generation, which is a, um, a has has a very strong orientation towards step progress. So you had kind of a mix, you know, just looking at your life generationally, like you have a mix of being a late wave Xer, which yeah. is more of that move, go, do, try, explore. Not that millennials don't, it's just that whereas Gen Xers are extreme entrepreneurs, extreme risk takers, extreme, you know, they're willing to to, 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 to gamble it all, you know, in many, many regards. And millennials, um, as it, again, as an archetypal statement around around their um, their generation, they are a step progress generation. And so that pressure, which is, which is there, you know, when you're younger anyway, but also just that pressure to succeed is very intense because all millennials feel the pressure to succeed in a way, in a step progress way that Gen Xers just never have any pressure about. Um, and then also, I would just offer real quick, um, you know, for your own your own exploration and consideration, if you want to look at it, there's some really beautiful work by this woman, Alison Armstrong, who talks about the path of men and that men, which is a different path than women have. Um, but men go through the process of being a page, you know, kind of like the child in the courts in the kingdom, and then have to be a knight and go out and slay their dragons and blah, blah, blah. And then they come back, they're the prince. And these are all associated with age. Like you can't accelerate the process as a man, you have to live literally go through the process, whereas women, the path is different. But anyway, you go through the prince where you're like starting to come back and establish your reputation more. That's sort of more like your you know, 30s and 40s. And then um, men who have done their work will transition into being a king, um, kind of in their early 50s and, and um, into their 60s. Um, and it's so, so part of the calling for men, and it's it's not an absolute statement, but it's, again, you know, these are broad statements, but, um, but men have a, a path that has more of a linear um, angle to it, a linear edge to it. And women have a, a different integrated thing. The, the it's a, another story about what women have. But but part of that pressure you might be feeling too about like not just wandering, like you know the societal pressure around staying the course, staying in the path, like the progression is also very the, the pressure on men to do that is also an internal thing and a societal thing. So anyway, it's interesting. I love that. Alison Armstrong. Yeah. No, I love that. And you know this is this is the reason I I love clubhouse conversations where you could take deep dives like this and in, in our and our conversation is kind of taking that turn and I love it because. You, you just made me think about the almost the, well there is also just generationally there's some there's some very marked differences between like, like right now you were talking about the male trajectory there's some very stark differences between me and my dad and some very stark differences between uh, my dad and his father um and then then there's also the there's like the strong entrepreneurial generation which for was probably my my mom's my mom's father was the the strong entrepreneur uh, uh, but th- my dad was more of a of a corporate man until his uh, until his fifth like late fifties is when he started to figure out I'm gonna try to do something on my own before it's too late and then and then he 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 went in that direction but I, I think there, w- there was maybe some influence that I had on my father a-, a little bit because I was already talking about entrepreneurial he was like yeah you know what I've been thinking about entrepreneurial for a while now and maybe maybe I I had some influence there but it's definitely a generational thing it's almost like a like fashion or something 
because you know fashion the, the old becomes new again uh and and it gets remixed somehow i i definitely see that between millennials and and gen x and what, what you were just mentioning I, I i see that and you made me remember an article i read once about the oregon trail generation i, I think that was once upon a time a label used for my generation which was we were the kids that had the the first set of apple twos in classrooms with the oregon trail game uh, on the computers and that's why they called us that and uh we were kind of, we're kind of like the generation straddling both the both sides that you just described and and it makes sense i mean all of a sudden the way you explained it it definitely makes sense it's kind of like a generational progression i guess yeah totally and and it's one of the things that's really i mean i don't mean i don't mean to just um, hijack the conversation so i'll just say this quickly that generations really actually have shadow 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 generations so the um the generation in midlife to a generation's childhood they'll have opposite orientations to things in many regards so for example um a very entrepreneurial generation raises a very and, and risk-taking generation actually raises a non-risk-taking generation so it, and again these are vast you know like big broad stroke statements because they have to do with archetypes but um basically pendulum swing and so what what is there was a time when being the organization man when being the one who just you know the golden handshake you got the job you stayed with them for life they took care of you you took care of them like that was the ultimate thing and yeah. that will come that will become an ultimate thing again because pendulum you know life is secular you know pendular and cyclical and all this kind of stuff um in terms of how society functions and all but um but that is interesting that you notice those you know those differences with your dad and i love too how, you know your story of how you shared about how um you helped him you know see more possibilities as well so you know good on you i mean that's uh that's so those are some of the interesting aspects of life and i definitely want to dive into an, into your story perhaps in a, a little bit more uh if you have some time and it seems like we have a member of the of, of a younger of a precisely a younger generation uh that we're that we're discussing kind of like the differences in generational change we have jennifer palacios joining us uh jennifer tell us a little bit about yourself and uh tell us a little bit about your thoughts on today's topics maybe a little bit on your thoughts on on the conversation thus far hi hector hi jesse thank you so much for inviting me to speak um yeah, I I was listening in and I definitely do consider um, I, I am in my young 20s and I've experienced everything that both of you have spoken on being lost on feeling the social pressure. Yeah. In my um, experience, I went more towards networking and not waiting till I finish my degree to start doing what I like and working in my career. So, but I still get the social pressure of like what if I want to try something new, right? Um, definitely consider myself a although some people may um, categorize me into the Gen Z. Um, not really familiar more. Um, I'm 24. I may qualify from the Gen Z or millennials, but that's a little bit of what I have to say about myself. I like listening in and learning from other people's experience. So I will step back and just listen more what you guys have to say. Absolutely, Jennifer. And, and please feel free to, to chime in. I actually, before you be, be, before you go, I, I want to I wanna, I wanna make an observation about um the your generation um as as i've come up with i i believe very much in tune with kind of your your peer group um it, one of the observations i've made is that there's a marked difference between let's say my generation or a, a generation above me and your generation and perhaps the generation below yours and that big difference that i've seen has been in the competitiveness in terms of 
peer-to-peer competition. I don't know what you've observed. I'd, I'd be very curious on your take before you go about it because I, I used to remember in the workplace a lot of drama within my generation and the generation above ours about competing for a job, uh, that killer instinct, people doing like jack moves in the background, like to try to jockey in front of the the, the person that was get trying to get the job. And, and, and to be honest, from your generation below, and I think a few from my generation, which I'll include myself in that group, are more of a collaborative spirit. It's not this like win at all costs, I'm gonna kill you for your position. But that's just been an observation in the industries and, and, and the kind of the exposure that I had to different to different worlds in in, in the professional world. Uh, and granted, they're limited to like education, nonprofit and international development. Those are those are the worlds where I've functioned. But I'd be curious on your take. Is your generation more collaborative in spirit? I mean, you're you're obviously on Clubhouse, uh, Jennifer, and your, your, your generation is building uh, Clubhouse as we speak. Uh, so it, it, it seems more collaborative. What, what's your opinion on that? Yeah, so definitely there is competition, but it's up to you if you want to fit in into that. I like to work with others and the way that I take in every experience that I get and everyone that I meet is that I look up to them, right? They sure have lived experiences that I have not. So in my opinion, I always take a step back and learn from the other person based on what they have to say, what they have lived in terms of like, career-wise, it has helped me out a lot because it's those people who have given me the opportunity to where I'm at. Definitely, you will encounter other um, individuals who would rather do things themselves, but that's not me. That's not the spirit I'm in. And I think that's um, where it hits. It's like how it differs to you on what you do and what helps you. And being positive is what has helped me achieve myself. Not seeing everything as a competition, but working together so we could accomplish a goal. We're living in a convergence of time. I mean, I see you in the room. I just see Chef Theo G pop in, uh, you know, in, in this room there, you know, it's a it's a small it's a small committee. But in this room, you know, talking in this podcast, we have three Latinos and uh, that's 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 pretty big. Uh, and, and I think that right now there's also a huge thing. Not only do we have like a handing off of the torch and I want to get back to your thoughts, uh, Jesse, on on this generational shift, because along with generational shifts about these um, cultural attitudes amongst the generation there's also a shift in demographics uh, there's like the, the the attitudes that one kind of that one group uh, one cultural group brings to the table versus another and I, I know that the, the operating values of say the Latino community versus the operating values of the um, Anglo-Saxon uh, white Protestant community is very different than the say black community and it's not that one is better than the other but that comes with other shifts that also happen generationally i mean i've been part of discussions that have now uh kind of spanned uh uh, different generations like for example on black lives matter there if you talk to an older generation uh in the black community versus a millennial versus a generation x there's going to be different opinions on what is going on in society uh, based off of the the, the periods of, of their lifetime. It, it's just crazy. And it, it, it's, it's kind of interesting to look at the patterns. Jesse, since this is one of your so 
subjects that you're passionate on in terms of the differences in generations. Do, do you see that too? What are your thoughts on, on that on that part of the subject? Wow, Hector, those are like some awesome questions and observations. Um, I'll first just address super quick the competitiveness subject that you, you and Jennifer were speaking to earlier, yeah. which is that you were absolutely right on and spot on that. Um, so just as, and again, you know, talking archetypally as generations, because that's really the most valuable way I, I find to look at them. Um, boomers are, are and, and boomers currently in the U.S. are, are kind of like our 61 and 61 to, you know, like high 70s. Gen Xers are currently currently like our 40 to 60 year olds. Um, but but boomers are very, um, the, a negative attribute of boomers is that they're um, ruthless. And um, but, but a positive aspect is that they're work, well, it can be a positive aspect, but they're workaholics um, and yeah. they're perfectionists. And, and Gen Xers are survivalists, right? Because Xers are children during a time when society decides that the, the needs of children are not a high priority. And so Xers from their childhood onward have a really strong orientation toward, I have to survive. And because, because the world doesn't, the, the government, society, institutions don't have my back. So the two generations together, this kind of ruthless and kind of workaholic boomer generation, and then this kind of market-driven, risk-taking, um, entrepreneurial survivalist generation of Xers create an incredible amount of competition. They really do. And millennials are very much a we generation and team-oriented. And so part of what, you know, for as much as people whine about generational differences, I'm like, I always give millennials credit for like really helping to soften and sweeten um, and make more friendly and more collaborative um, the, you know, the workplace. And they do it from a from a heart-centric place. They do it just by by their expectation of what, how they want to be treated and how they treat others. Um, obviously, individuals are nice, right? And individuals are, no one's, no one's trying to do anyone wrong. But collectively, when you take different worldviews and you, you add them up and you get these big archetypal um, personalities, these are these kind of statements that can be made about generations. Um, to your point about BLM and the different generations and um, the different issues, absolutely, 100%, these are completely, you know, gener generational worldviews are formed during childhood. I mean, that's, that's how generations are formed. They are formed during their childhood and their coming of age years. And then whatever that formed worldview is, because that's true for an individual and it's true for their generation, then that formed worldview then is applied to life and it informs their life and it colors their life and, and all that kind of stuff. And so, you know, it, the Black Lives Matter, well, you know, just, just civil rights in, in general for the boomer generation during their young adult, their childhood and young adulthood years, I mean, very different than Gen Xers and millennials. The, the um, I mean, it's a much longer, much deeper subject in and of itself, but your bigger, bigger observation is that how people can care about the same issue, but how they care about it and how they see the resolution is going to be very Completely informed yeah. by their, yeah, by their worldview of, of their generational um, perspective. And some of it, and, and it has, it has to do with many, many subjects, many, many aspects, but everything in culture, everything that happens in the culture in the large, larger outer world impacts an individual as an individual, right? On the micro level, it impacts you as, as a, on a group level, the meso level, group, family, church, work, whatever, um, you know, whatever your, your belief systems are. Um, and then on a macro level, on a national level. So all of these conversations and subjects and issues are being perceived individually, right? And then, but also like these group and larger levels, and they're being very informed by generational diversity and perspective. I personally believe that generational diversity is actually greater, a greater form of diversity than other forms of diversity. I know people, many people would disagree with me, but when you really start getting down to it, you have more in common with someone who played Oregon Trail at the same age or read Harry Potter. I read Harry Potter at 35. Yeah. 
reading Harry Potter at age 10, when all your peers are reading it at the same level time the books are coming out, is a different life path, right? It's a different, it's a different relationship, it's the same subject, very different relationship to it. So anyway, all, all, all of culture, all of society can be looked at um, through this lens, in, in my, my understanding of, you know, through generations, because it flavors, people can care about the same issue and want resolution, but how they see the solutions and what they think needs to be done has to do with their generational positioning. Very, very much so. Not yeah. exclusively, but very much so. Absolutely. No, I, I, I agree with your statements, uh, Jesse, and I'm feeling like we're going to have to collaborate on uh, future Clubhouse conversations and future podcasts because this is a good subject. I, I definitely agree. And this is perhaps one of the areas with, where I have loved Clubhouse the most uh, in that, you know, it has mixed us up. Just take a look at this room. It's a small room, but uh, I think in terms of experiences, uh, you know, areas in which we're all uh, working, just looking at the profiles in terms of age, also diversified age. The fact that we're here talking about this subject, all of us together, there's something to be said about that level of diversity. Completely agree with you uh, on that, Jesse. Uh, Chef Theo G, it's been a while, my man. How How is the journey as an entrepreneur coming along for you? You know, one of the first people I thought of uh, when I when 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 I was thinking of the the title of this podcast, I'm not lost. I'm exploring. Was you, and that's because I've known your journey, and I know you took a big leap a few weeks, about months ago. Um, how's 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 it all coming along, Chef? Dude, <laughs> <laughs> um, it's been a wild ride, man. It's yeah, been, you know, exciting, scary, um, blessed. So just every day is something new. Learn learning so much um but things are going well man I, I really can't complain about the track that everything is going down right now I mean, so, how are you enjoying your how are you enjoying your uh your your social media micro influencer celebrity now i mean th th every time i open my every time i open my instagram now i'm seeing like the og empanadas like all over the country dude like what's going on there oh man dude that's the magic of clubhouse dude um so i don't know for some reason i just i fell in to a lot of the like latino groups and just you know super chill people on clubhouse and instantly like just seeing at the, i've had an instagram for what going on two months now and i'm almost at 500 followers right i remember back in the day when instagram first started and i had maybe 150 followers and i was following like 300,000. but <laughs> yeah, dude I it's wild it's like Everyone is just, you know, it's weird because, you know, you've ever heard that that phrase or that saying that says that like people that you don't know are going to support you more than the ones that you do know. Yeah. And, yo, Clubhouse literally has like backed my corner with a whole bunch of people that just show nothing but support. And that's that's one of the things that uh, that, that we're that we're discussing here. It's like, uh, man, it's it's been one of the things that has been really neat. Um, here's a space where these social stigmas that we were usually labeled with on either other social media platforms or just by life overall, whether it was our, you know, our, our old school um, networks, our, our old school ladders that we were climbing, all these different places. If, if there is one place where I think like for, I mean, I know there's been some drama in some, in some, of, in some particular places on this platform, but the Clubhouse platform has afforded multiple generations to converge on interest. It has afforded 
created multiple different cultural backgrounds to do the same. And it has also created a space where people are supporting, supporting creative endeavors, where people are supporting going out on a limb, where people are supporting uh, taking that risk, taking that leap. Whereas before, I mean, if you were, I still remember, I still remember to this day when I started telling everyone I was leaving my job and that I was going to go out and pursue my own international organization. I still remember people balking at me like, uh, who do you think you are? What kind of money do you have for this international? And they would say it that way, international organization. It's like, I just got the strategy and the vision. I got the business plan. I don't have anything much else, but I I think we can make this work. And, um, but there was a lot of social stigma and, and people labeling you as either lost or whatever and the whole I'm exploring and the whole positive value I've, I've, I feel that there is just much more support in places like this and man I'm seeing it with you man I said I said micro influencer because I know man I know your story as an as a, in Instagram in terms of your followers and all that dude some of the people that have that have taken pictures of your empanadas are pretty big influencers <laughs> and so not to say you're like Mr. Million Dollar Mr. Million Followers because you're not it, mo- modest humble beginnings but dude some people with like heavy followings are taking pictures with your food that must feel like you know flattering oh yeah most definitely man and you know it's one of those things where like you know you and i've known each other for what over 20 years at this point yeah and it's one of those things where you know we've talked about it i've wanted to go down so many different paths and i've wanted to do or try so many different things and i could never really just make the jump and you know finally i took that that jump at the end of february and literally it's been the best thing for me you know like right now we're not making this i'm not making the same amount of money that i was making um in my career but it's something that with every sale that i have with every order that I have, I'm learning a little bit more. I'm making a little bit more money. Um, and that's, you know, what really matters to me. And we're able to give back to the community. Um, so that's something that's a constant. And, you know, that's what's really important to me. So let's get let's get into the, the nitty gritty. Um, and it definitely, Jennifer and Jesse, feel free, absolutely free to jump in. But let's get into the nitty gritty. What stopped you, man? What, what, what would stop you before from taking that leap? What was the... What was the, the what was the state of your psyche when you, when you were like, well, maybe I maybe I won't. Uh, what as you as you now see yourself going down this path, I hear fulfillment in your in your voice. Heck, I see it in your pictures, man. As I scroll through your Instagram, I see that smile. I see that guy I met 20 years ago who was going to have his restaurant, his kitchen, his club. His I mean, you had like you know probably 20 million plans of what you wanted to do with your life. So if as you analyze it and dissect it what was it that kept you from taking the leap of of exploring was it the social stigma or was there more to that um so part of it was the educational portion of it um you know i went to college and dropped out and you know went into the workforce and you know not realizing that i was a non-traditional student not realizing that i really didn't need an education to do a lot of the things that i was passionate about but because my parents always said that I wouldn't be anything if I didn't get education because, you know, a lot of my friends had degrees 
and they weren't doing anything with their degrees. So then I'm like, yo, like I'm never gonna do anything. Like I know a whole bunch of people that are not happy with the degrees that they have. Yeah. Like I'm just gonna stick to the workforce. I make pretty good money. Like I'll work my butt off and eventually, eventually I'll become a multi-unit manager. And like that literally was the game plan. And COVID hits and it just made I you crazy. realized, yo, like, <laughs> you know, I was fortunate enough to be one of those individuals that still had a job throughout COVID. Yeah. Um, we took a small reduction in pay. I still had a job, but I had to furlough all of my employees. I realized like the condition of the communities that we were in, because um, I worked for this really big company with 300 different locations throughout the United States, Canada, and Puerto Rico. Yeah, And I was really trying to figure out like, why were we not? as a company doing more what was the thought behind it and you know i kept coming up with these ideas of hey we can do this for a low cost and you know be able to provide jobs to a couple of the people on our staff that really need it Mm -hmm. and ideas just were not going anywhere and you know finally i was just like yo like i can't do this like i need to be part of something or i need to create something that's going to give back to the community at the same time it's going to be able to allow me to take care of my family. Dude, and I just want to commend you for that. And I think that that's, I, I definitely want to continue diving deep into your journey uh, and, and, and figuring out, I, I think that there's the, that life and I think just the social structures of life present so many limitations on us exploring, on us breaking the shackles of those that own our time. Ultimately, I do believe time being the most valuable resource that we have. And, um, you know, I society wants to, I mean, let, let's put it another way. So you're talking about the stigmas of, you know, what you were saddled with, with all these expectations of if you don't go to school, then X, Y, Z may happen to you. And so you were like already preconditioned to think, well, maybe I won't be able to, you were already thinking, maybe I won't be able to because of that conditioning that occurred. But then at the same time, for those that <laughs> there's the flip to that, if you start working your way up the corporate ladder to say you did finish school say you did do all these things that you did check all all those marks all those check marks at the end of the day those individuals are also having the same struggle with unshackling themselves to explore because they're like well i worked all so hard to get to where i'm at now how am i going to leave everything to just go explore something that may ultimately not pan out so in both of those scenarios the one you just explained and the other society's kind of shackling a little bit of that that free will and then obviously you have the the responsibilities that kick in the bills all that how am i going to pay the bills and so it's like it's like a huge it's like a huge load to bear Starting on Thursday, there's going to be a educational conference hosted by various clubs here on Clubhouse. Uh, one of the bigger clubs being Future X. And obviously they talk about the future of education, um, the future of, of how things may look in terms of you know education post-pandemic. We're doing a three-day conference and it's going to be a lot of fun. It begins on Thursday. You can check out the events. They're already scheduled. Just follow the Future X Club. Uh, follow 28,000 
holidays for sure as, as well. I think most of you, if not all of you already do uh, follow this club, but most importantly, follow the Future X Club so that you can get access to all of that information. There is also a website. Um, if you just look up uh, Educate Conference Clubhouse uh, Future X, uh, just put in those search terms, you'll get the, the, the different places online where they're hosting. I will be leading a conversation on Friday evenings 6 p.m. Pacific, um, and it's going to be about the future of higher education is Latino. Uh, future of higher education is Latino. And the reason that we're going to be leading that, in case you're wondering, just to give you kind of like a sneak preview, is that uh, most people don't know this, but there are now seven, um, there are now seven million college aged Latinos in the United States, with about 3.8 million of them going to college. And there are 79 million college-age Latinos in Latin America. So that definitely poses a brand new emerging market for higher education that is bar none, very different than all other demographics. Um, should be a very interesting discussion because most demographics are declining in enrollment, but Latino demographics are increasing in enrollment. Total enrollment in America right now is 17 million. And so if you have 7 million Latinos and they're all college-aged and about almost 4 million of them go to college and you got 79 million more. They, I mean, if colleges and universities got their act together, they could probably get a brand new market that grew their pie and even demanded more colleges and universities to open up. There's a lot of there's a lot of debate about that. So I think there's going to be a, a very interesting discussion that will take place Friday at 6 p.m. Pacific. I'll be leading that discussion along with Matt, who leads Future X. It should be really good, guys. I, I'd love to hear one last story this evening, which is your story, Jesse, if you'd be willing to share it with us. And then also your final thoughts. Um, but it, your story, because we've heard Jennifer's story, we've heard everyone's story. You're, you, you're obviously, Jesse, uh, began the conversation with me about about our mutual interest in these differences amongst generations on how we pursue the paths of exploration and risk and how we begin to look into different avenues depending on the frame of reference we had from our generation or coming up or all the different variables that, that kind of affected our mindset, whether it was watching our parents not take enough risk or watching them take too many risks. What led you down this path? started off my career when women, um, when there were still pink collar, you know, secretarial pools and stuff like that. And there wasn't a whole lot of horizon of what was possible. And um, I actually had the kind of the guts and the foolishness to start a business really early on um, that I knew nothing about and didn't know, you know, like <laughs> started writing resumes when I was young and, and all. And, you know, just had a lot of situations where I would like have a competitive advantage and then the technology would catch up. I mean, I was just constantly having to reinvent myself. And um, so I've just I've just kind of been all over the place. I mean, I have definitely been a wanderer you know, in terms of, of my career, my life. Um, you know, I've had I've had years of um, I've had periods where a handful of years I've just felt like the clouds were heavy and I was never going to see the light of day again. And then some, something would happen and a whole new vista would open up and I'd have my you know energy again and I'd be able to pursue things and all. And actually of late, um, you know, so, so I, I come, I speak a lot about generations on Clubhouse because it's my passion. But one of my wandering lost situations has actually been, how do I ever make a business out of this generation stuff? And there are many, many people who do. So, I mean, the model is all over, right? I mean, I can, I can go to a hundred different websites and see what other people are doing as generational coaches, consultants, trainers, etc. But I have a, I have a minority perspective because I, 
um, I actually studied generational theory. And so I have a really different perspective than most people have about generations. I talk about them as archetypes. I talk about um, cultural moods as seasons. And this is not stuff I've made up. It's, it's pinging to someone else's theory. But anyway, I have had this profound amount of pressure, self-imposed, 100% self-imposed, um, on myself that I had to somehow figure out how to make this into a business. And I um, had the fortune of, um, you know, coming into some money um, a couple few years ago that gave me a little more financial um, freedom to um, invest in like a website and infographics and videos and all this kind of content things that, you know, are kind of following the for this formulaic stuff of what people do to create a business and all. And what I found was that every time I would try to do this work, even though I know the subject matter really well, I had this incredible heaviness. Like I would literally sit in prayer or meditation and just feel like, what is going on? Like, how is it that I can have passion for something, but I can't feel, you know, I can't, I can't seem to find my footing. I can't seem to find my way with this. And I've been in marketing myself and I know I'm a content creator over many times over, you know, written books and all kinds of stuff. So this, this isn't a, these things shouldn't be complex, um, but I just never felt Found, I never found my footing with it. And very recently, like actually in the last couple few weeks, um, I've been working part time with this search engine optimization marketing firm, just doing like um, sales and making commission and, you know, all this kind of stuff. But very part time about it and really kind of like, oh, I'm going to do this other business. And um, I just, I had like just a couple things just rejiggered in my life. And I realized I was like, you know what, Jesse? <laughs> it's like you have this incredible organization you work for that does, again, the search engine optimization, et cetera. You make a sale you get paid, you get paid for years you know on the sale cuz I continue to get commission it's a wonderful company it's like go where the flow is go where the energy and i just re i rejiggered my internal story about what i wanted in my career and or not what i wanted in my career but what what was okay for me now and i like it's easier for me to work inside of someone else's system and then to take my love for this subject into a place where i can just love on it i can add it where it has value and it has been so freeing and not only that but I get most of my business from referrals and it's like in the last couple of weeks like the number of referrals and the volume and the size of the clients and the budgets that people have has just like it's almost like you know like we all know like when you when you step into the flow and stop resisting and all like the other things open up and all yeah. so anyway so so I'm in a you know I'm 57 and you know I've had a lot of years where I haven't felt like I had a career you know I was making money or whatever but I didn't yeah. feel like I had something and then I then because I'd pulled out of the corporate world really early and was self-employed really early it's it's not always easy to go back in you know people look at you like yeah you've been self-employed for the last 20 years um but anyway i'm feeling really really good about things now and part of it is is actually letting go of the shoulds that i was putting on myself and and um and so i i feel re-energized again but in a way that i wasn't expecting i was expecting the seo job to minimize and the generation stuff to expand and now what i'm feeling is it's like oh my generations it's stuff is my passion and I can be as passionate as I want about it. If I make money from it down the road, amen, you know, you BIA, you know, but it's not where I'm putting my, um, it's not where I'm putting my expectations, my attention and my effort. I can put my love there. And then because I'm feeling loving toward everything, I feel more loving toward the job I'm doing. So I mean, I mean, if we'd had this conversation a month ago, I would have been in the lost side. I would have been definitely like, <laughs> I'm lost. Um, but I'm yeah. like really feeling like a real big opening, you know, in my life. And it feels very, very, very exciting right now. Jesse, I, I feel like we're kindred spirits and, uh, you know, so much so that let me tell you a part of my my 
coming up story. It part of my coming up story when I was so I was this kid that got a scholarship to go to college in Washington D.C. and uh, I'm over there and didn't have much money to my name, so I started looking for a job. And one of my first employers ever uh, in a subject I was passionate about was intergenerational policy on Capitol Hill, and I was working for Generations United as first their intern, and then I was working on the public policy side with, I don't know if you're familiar with her, but with Jaya Peterson, who's who's there uh, now still, I believe to this day, I think she's, 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 she presides, uh, she's there with Donna Butts, I still, I think Donna Butts is still at the helm there, but intergenerational policy, it was all about bringing generations together and analyzing the differences and the, the things that they, that they have share in common. So all of these things that you're passionate about, Jesse definitely kindred spirits because I like, I love that stuff too. I love cultural, um, all the, all the cultural aspects of things too. I'm a very proud Latino. Uh, so it's like, I, I, I feel you, I hear you speak and I feel the exact same way about how many times not, not only would other people maybe label me as lost for a good chunk of my life, but, but how many times would I have labeled myself as lost? And you're absolutely right. I would probably use that label for myself <laughs> on a number of occasions in the past. I think now it's a different story, but, uh, definitely kindred spirits. Let's just go around, uh, one last time, just the crystallizing points uh, that you, that you guys got from today's conversation were, what are the, what are the big points that you came away with? Let's begin with Jennifer. Jennifer, we haven't heard from you in a bit. Thank you, Hector. Um, I would say that not to be scared again, because definitely at one point I was considered lost and in a Spanish household, in a Latino household, like, um, Jesse and you mentioned earlier, if you do not have right your career or if you're not in school, you're considered lost. And with my experience of being in a depression state at an early age, I had to back down. I had to reanalyze my um, my entire life and what I wanted to do. But with the networking that I had and that I made right for myself, I think that is okay to at one point feel lost, right? But to not lose hope. And it was amazing hearing from all of you speak tonight because I'm able to take in points of your experience and learn from it. Uh, Jennifer, I believe this is the first time uh, I, I, I have a discussion directly with you, uh, and I hope it's not the last time uh, because it's it's definitely you were you were on point and bringing some awesome points to the table. I do this as often as I can. Right now, we've I've been traveling again for the first time for business, so I haven't been on a regular daily podcast. Uh, but it's just because of the travel. But now that travel's settling down a bit, I'll be back every evening, particularly with the conference. I'm going to be heavily involved with that. So uh, come check us out. So there you have it. We're not lost or exploring. There is exponential value in seeking adventure. There is exponential value in choosing to explore. The only thing in my mind that I think holds little to no value is staying in the same place. So as you think about what comes next, as you think about what's next over and over and over in your mind, what comes next cannot be what you were doing before. You have to build on that. You have to find a new path, perhaps. You have to figure out a way to expand what you were doing. Otherwise, there is no growth. Otherwise, you aren't going to get very far. And if what we're talking about speaks to who you are, then we want you to be a part of this. Our conversations happen on a regular. You can find them here on Spotify, but check out Be 
nxt.org. Be a part of our community. It's free of charge. Just be a part of these conversations. Be a part of thinking big. Be a part of wanting to build something special with like minds. We gather regularly, virtually, on Clubhouse and other platforms because we are live streaming on other platforms as well. But most importantly, post-pandemic, we're now starting to gather again. Not too long ago, we gathered amazing minds in different colleges and universities to think big, to generate social impact projects that can make a difference. It can be in education. It can be in media. Heck, if you want to start a podcast, give me, send me a text. I want to collaborate with you. Let's get your podcast going. Let's get more media content out there that can generate more impact. Let's build another conference, just like the one we're going to be a part of this week. Let's think big and let's generate an impact together. So until tomorrow, peace.